Welcome to Cellmates. We are a podcast made up of myself, Kate Phillips. And myself, Dick Ward. I guess as hosts, it's Ourselves. Not, not the podcast it's, itself. It's made of us. Where we take two animated feature films, uh-huh. we compare, contrast them, and throw them into a Venn diagram. Whoosh. Often these movies are Disney. But not always. Often these movies are musicals. Not always. Often these movies are good. Not always. Thanks for being here, Dick. Oh, I don't have anywhere else to go. I uh, that's true. Yeah, it's um, yeah, it. We're, <laughs> that's I don't have anything to say to that. Cool. Thanks for sticking with us, listeners. As yes, we, um, we appreciate put out a rerun episode last time and didn't announce it at all on social media. It was like that kind of a look. You <laughs> a blitz. I, we we are not uh, paid podcasters. We are not. Uh, we are not responsible to any advertisers. We are just responsible to uh, to our uh, very wonderful audience. And I feel like uh, y'all know where we're coming from. This has been a year. And I feel like we say that at the top of every episode Wait, since like April last year. Let me year. ask you, Kate. Yeah. I, I, I know I just said that, but has this even been a year? I, has this? Oh. Ha- did this? Did this year even count? Did this year even count? Yeah. Which happens to be the name of the beer we're drinking, Whoa, too. Whoa, look how it tied in. Do, 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 do. Um, segway, segway, yeah. segway song. Last year around this time, we had just released the episode on our Disney World trip. And <laughs> oh not God. even mentioning that Disney World would soon be closed <laughs> and forever altered. Because um, yeah. we didn't know yet. So, yeah, this is a, a full year out. And um, so we are starting this year the second year of the pandemic <laughs> yay um with a drink called this does your bleh, did this year even count yep. and let's call it magic edition sure because i said so it's magically delicious uh, <laughs> because the movies we're doing today have magic in them there's a little bit of no i'm gonna i'm a i'm a work this no i believe you Definitely, specifically bought for the podcast, yes. and not just for our own consumption. Um, so these are two movies that came out and kind of Ooh. Poof, disappeared oh. without a lot of fanfare. And so, like, do I thought you were just going to stop count? there and say these are two movies that came out because they were followed um, by movies or projects that. Um, very much eclipse them yeah. um one being an entire era of animation the other being um not only a studio of animation but also a bunch of much more famous movies about the same um universe yeah and uh, so we have a listener cameron to thank for the pairing hi cameron that we are about to do which is the hobbit <gasps> uh the 1977 tv animated film and the Black Cauldron, mm. Disney's infamous 1985 yeah. venture. Infamous is a good word for it. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so we thank Cameron for their patience because we got the suggestion now a few months ago. Um, but did this year even count? Do do these months even measure time? So thank you for your patience. We are finally getting to your suggestion. Cameron yeah. says, um, you know, they would love for us to do these two movies together. Both are obviously adapted from hugely famous fantasy novels, but they are both very rough around the edges production-wise, and both are not very well-known or very successful. Uh, Cameron says that they enjoy The Hobbit much more than The 
Green Cauldron and the Silly Songs are a lot of fun. The sequels to The Hobbit done by Ralph Bakshi are also hilariously bad if you want to check them out, which is something I've heard not only from you, but other listeners as well. Kate, I I don't think we've watched any Ralph Bakshi, but I cannot imagine you liking any Ralph Bakshi. Ralph Bakshi is not Yellow Submarine. No. But he kind of looks like it. Uh, I think we saw a trailer for Ralph Bakshi, right? We'll we'll get there. Robots or something? We'll get there. Okay. It's going to be great. You're going to love it. Anyway, Cameron, we appreciate your suggestion, and this was a great um, pairing. Like, yeah, you know, as you said, the movies can be rough around the edges, and that's that is a really great way to put it mm-hmm. too, because neither of these movies are like totally poorly made, right? We've watched some movie, we watched Food Fight, we okay? watched Food Fight, we've yeah. seen some poorly made movies. These aren't poorly made. These are like Black Cauldron seems like it's lower budget for Disney, maybe. Uh- <laughs> That, that's where you'd be wrong. Okay. But it does seem that way. But it, it's <laughs> it's not, it doesn't have the kind of, especially story polish that like I expect from Disney. I'd say lower effort. <laughs> yeah. Um, the Hobbit, um, you know, yeah, rougher, rough around the edges. Not active, not, neither is, I think, actively bad, which is surprising. Um, well, let, let's talk about them a little more. Neither of them some... lacks craft. Okay, sure. I guess is what I mean. Sure. I, I like I have feelings, but I didn't get food fight vibes. Right. 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 Um so it, it is interesting because I am and I've said this before on previous episodes, I am not an innate fan of the fantasy genre of like no. the complex word worlds where everything is named something different and there's quests. I just, like, you you start saying any of those words to me, I start falling asleep. It doesn't matter if it's, you know, really, really well executed or really poorly executed. They just all kind of mush together in my head. So I appreciated the challenge of watching these two movies. And like you said, like, there are some really cool things in them. There's some really cool craft. And so I wanted to put that disclaimer out there that I'm going to be actively trying my best to find positive things and to find criticisms that uplift the genre yes. um, instead of just, Kate doesn't like fantasy. So, with that said. Kate doesn't like fantasy. Dick. Mm. Oh, sorry. We weren't saying that? <laughs> Dick, what did you know about The Hobbit? And you can start anywhere you feel like on that. I'm going to start right in the middle. All right. Of. Uh. Um, no, so The Hobbit, uh, I am 90% sure I've seen this, uh, like, as a kid, uh, but I don't have strong memories of it, uh, but I, I read, you know, I was a big Lord of the Rings fan, um, and I had read The Hobbit when I was younger, uh, and I've also seen the first of the three Peter Jackson movies, and that was enough. Um, of the Hobbit, of the Hobbit, because there yeah. are three Lord of the Rings movies. The, yes, but those are based are on three books. Three books. The Hobbit, um, one book, one uh, to rule them all. One story oh. for children, not three giant tomes that are way too dark. Anyway, I missed what you said because I was celebrating my Lord of the Rings reference that I just made. Wait, what'd you do? Didn't I say I said one book to rule them all? I get it. That's from that, right? I'm not making a different reference. No, that's Magneto. 
You know, it's Lord of the Rings. Good job. I'm proud of you. I know a thing. Yeah. Anyway, uh, so yeah, I like this um, animation. I I have like a general feeling on Rankin Bass, Mm -hmm. and that I'm not the hugest fan of their Mm kind of sleepy style. Um, but uh, yeah, I I kind of went into this building it up for you to lower your expectations as low to the floor as I possibly could. Mm-hmm. Um, but even when we started the movie, I was kind of like, this might be good. Uh, cool. Yeah. What about you? I, I saw all three Lord of the Rings movies in high school over a period of four days when Return of the King came out um, at the behest request demand of my brother. The whole family watched all the movies um, so brother of the podcast, brother of the podcast, Andy yeah. Phillips. So already those kind of have a sour taste in my mouth. I think I just like this beer, just like this sour. beer. Oh, a little yeah. sour. Um, I think the first and third ones I liked. Okay. The second one put me to sleep. All the worst things that I fear about fantasy that yeah. usually aren't completely true, but they were all completely true. But in general, the experience was not a pleasant one. And so you know, not being a fan of the genre and then not really having a great experience with these movies. I'm like, ah, no, I don't like Tolkien. Like, too serious, too much war. And so I knew that The Hobbit was a prequel, kind of. It's kind of a retconned prequel. Right. It was written first without necessarily the intention right there of creating three more books. But, um, and I think I knew about this cartoon. I think... Another um, listener in front of the podcast, Rachel, had brought it up at some point. Um, But yeah, I was not looking forward to watching this. But turns out that The Hobbit is different than Lord of the Rings. And this, well, we'll talk about this later. But Peter Jackson's interpretation of Tolkien is maybe different than Tolkien's interpretation of Tolkien. That might be true, yeah. Um, So that made for a different tone as well. Mm. All right. I guess I'm summarizing this. I don't know how I ended up here. Well, I, the, we, we just, we, well, I decided I know the Hobbit too well. Mm. Yeah. yeah. And so for me to summarize it would not be fair to the movie. Whereas for you to summarize it, it'll be interesting to see (laughs) what points get hit and what don't get hit compared to the things that I think about when I think of the Hobbit. Yeah. All right, here I go. There's a hobbit. His name is Bilbo Baggins, and a wizard named Gandalf comes to him. He's like, cool, you're helping these dwarves get back their kingdom. Bilbo says, why? And they're like, it doesn't matter. So he sets off on an adventure with them. They um, are going to face off against this dragon smog who's currently inhabiting their dwarf kingdom. They meet some elves, and they have a tussle. They meet some goblins, and they have a tussle. Uh, Bilbo spends like 30 minutes in a cave with Gollum um, telling riddles to each other, but he gets a ring from that situation. Oh, I wonder if that'll be important later. And then they meet a third kind of guy, other dwarves, no, giants. Anyway, they meet a lot of different types, humans, um, and they have a tussle. And then they do meet, Bilbo meets the dragon, and he does some invisible tricks, and then gets the tricks the dragon kind of out of the cave And then so they can fight the dragon. A human kills the dragon. The dwarves reclaim their kingdom. But then there's a bunch of like 
factions that want a war and then they like don't really war and then um, Bilbo gets to go home then that's what he wanted all along but he learned that he's like braver than he thought and can do more adventures uh dwarves are jerks uh Gandalf is the biggest jerk of them all I got 38 more seconds and I'm done do you want to name some of the characters that oh, you remember? Goodness, no. Um, you got Gandalf, I, I already Bilbo. Did it. Bilbo, Gandalf, Smog. Can you name some of the dwarves? Um, Thorin. Mm-hmm. Ro- uh, Dolan. I think so. Yes. Uh, Keep going. D- Davy Jones. Mm. Mm, uh, Bashfulforth. Okay. Yes. Um, <laughs> Ashfulforth. They do. They. Uh, um, Goblin number one. The goblins ride wolves. Yeah. There's some more information for you. Dude, what are those wolves called? Uh, goblin wolves. They're called wargs. Wargs. W-O-R-G, yeah. But they call them wolves, too. Yeah. Okay, then Both. why? You don't need two names for that. There's the cookies are done. All right. So That's the shortest summary I've ever given on the history of the show. Here's some stuff that you missed. So, mm-hmm. Dwalin, Feely, Keely, Oin, Glowing. Ori, Nori, Biffer, Bofer, Bert, Balin, uh, Grinna, Dory. It's like if someone tried to name the reindeers, but they're drunk. Like, <laughs> like list all the reindeer. May I please continue? Oh, sorry. Mr. Mistopheles. No. Thorin. Yep, Mr. Mistopheles is one of the dwarves. Now, um, yeah, no, that was great. 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 Kate, great. That was a pretty good summary. Thank you. You like, yeah. There's the 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 Hobbit is not a a plot forward story, and it's episodic, and not a ton of it really matters in terms of like beats. Well, and a lot of it, and and I haven't read the book in forever, but watching the movie, it was like, oh no, there's some trouble. Gandalf's here. Oh no, there's some trouble. Yeah, Gandalf. Let's talk about that. So, but but wait, wait, wait. Before mm-hmm. we do, um, which is why I think, if I was to guess as to why they spent so much time on Gollum, mm-hmm. it's because that's the only thing that Bilbo actually does. He does the thing with Gollum. He does the thing with Smog. He like yeah. goes in and tells riddles. Yeah. But like everything else, it's like, oh no, oh don't worry, Gandalf's here. Oh no. Okay. Oh, don't worry, Gandalf's here. So now I have two things to talk about. All right. One, yeah, Gandalf is like, like, um, he's like an escape room facilitator who's too excited about the escape room, and so as soon as the participants, you said that while we were watching the movie, and I couldn't stop thinking about as it. As soon as the participants are having any trouble, he's like, "Here, okay, I got this map for you. There's a door inside this. It, you know what? Here's the key to it as well. Like, yeah." Why did they have to go on all of these adventures when Gandalf was just going to give them... He already had this stuff anyway. Why did they need to face off against goblins when he already had the map? God damn it, Gandalf. Just give them what you have. Yeah. That's my first qualm. My second qualm is I'm not sure anyone in this story actually knows what a riddle is. Like, they're not that good. They're not bad. I don't know. And they just get really stuck on riddles. And I feel like every other one is not a riddle. Wait, tell me a riddle. 
I don't, I, well, maybe I don't know what a riddle is. You might not know what a riddle is. What's, you know, black and white and red all over, right? Is a, a newspaper. That's a riddle. It's kind of a joke more than a riddle, that one is. I guess that's, I, yeah. But, I mean, also, I could not just linguistically understand I think most of the riddles. Yeah. And so, like, Bilbo would answer them. I'm like, how did you know what Gollum just said? Gollum's voice is hard. It's hard to understand. Yeah, it's not, it's not Andy Serkis. <laughs> and, like, I, I have, yeah, I, Andy Serkis uh, manages to make a horrifying voice understandable. Yes. This, then this is a running theme in these movies. There are some horrible voices that are hard to understand. I was I was going to say, should we use this as a transition point to talk about Googie, Gogie, Glugob, Go, um, Denny, Donald Duck, Danny, Denny, Gogie. Yeah, it turns yes. out like a Donald Duck voice with a British accent is real tough. So, Kate, tell yeah. me what you know, what you knew, what you have mm-hmm. known about the Black Cauldron. So the Black Cauldron was growing up as in the Disney Renaissance as a fan of the Disney Renaissance was like that cousin that we don't talk about, right? <laughs> it's like the only PG movie, I guess, until Hunchback. No, Hunchback is G. It should be PG, but um, it's like the only one of D- Disney's PG movies. It was terrible. Disney doesn't want you to see it. And... I thought I was kind of making some of that up. No, it was not released on home video until 98. They didn't until like almost all the Renaissance is done. Yeah. Um, Because it was such a commercial and critical bomb. Because this is 85. This is 85. Yeah. And Mermaid is. It's 89. 89. But this is even before like, like in between that time, even you get like. Great Mouse Detective and Roger Rabbit and Oliver and Company, movies that are closer to the Renaissance than this. This is like both um, in reputation and in terms of profit, the like nadir of Disney animation. Yeah. Or one, was, of, one of them, at least. It was the most expensive animated movie ever made at the time. Really? At $44 million because it was the first to use CGI, to use computer anything. Yeah, that's fair. Um, And yeah, it... Yeah, it, the budget was forty-four million, and the box office was like twenty million. It was really bad um, for for the Disney company. Um, and yeah, it, it feels. I mean, they they started work on this concept in nineteen seventy, I think. So there is a lot going on from concept to screen. There's several turnovers of the creative team. Several turnovers of the Disney company staff. Yeah. <laughs> um, and so I think it's interesting that it, it does feel more Rescuers era, which I know is only eight years before, but right. it feels more of that kind of like dark and sleepy time than most of, you know, than anything else that came out in the last half of the that's 80s. That's interesting. I, I have different thoughts on that, okay. but I, I think that's an interesting take yeah. for sure. Dick, well, you wanna, what did you what did you know about the Black Cauldron? Uh, I had only heard that it was the worst Disney movie ever made, mm-hmm. uh, and I saw a scene with spooky, scary skeletons like jumping out of goo yeah. onto someone. Cauldron um, born, and that's 
all I knew about it. I just like never watched it because it was like, oh, it's the worst one. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, oh, okay. Well, I'm not going to watch it then. This movie does have a cult following now. Um, I Yeah. I mean, people like their fantasy and yeah. I don't want to, like, we're not here to yuck anyone's yum. Um, you are absolutely here to yuck some yums, Kate. You always say that. You always say like, "Well, we shouldn't, we shouldn't yuck anyone's yums," and then you'll be like, "This is the worst movie I've ever seen in my life." And if you like it, you're stupid. We don't intend to yuck anyone's yum unless we get really emotional about uh-huh. it. All right. Anyway, but yeah, it it's it's still pretty widely regarded as, like you said, a nadir for yeah. Disney. So, Dick, you got two minutes. To summarize okay, this movie. Okay, hold on. I'm making sure I have. Oh yeah, and also I'm gonna say all these names wrong because they're Welsh. Yeah, I didn't. I didn't use names in I didn't, mine. I didn't understand the names. Yep. I, I, you could tell me the princess's name and I wouldn't know it. Elanwi. Elo- a- Elanwi. Elanwi. I think the middle syllable Elanwi. gets the stress. Anyway. Anyway, uh, reach out to us and correct us on all our pronunciations. Don't. Don't. Please don't. <laughs> All right, ready, set, yeah. go. Okay, so there's this kid, and he uh, is a pig keeper, assistant pig keeper. Um, but the pig's like awesome, uh, and he serves this guy who like seems like a wizard, but I guess he's not a wizard, or maybe he is a wizard. It's unclear. Anyway, it turns out that he, uh, this kid, has to go feed the pig, and then the pig gets out, and then the pig sticks his nose in some <laughs> water, and then magic happens because that's how pigs that's how this pig works anyway so this kid takes an apple and some bread and he goes off on an adventure because the old guy's like go off on this adventure take an apple and some bread take this pig with you and he's basically supposed to like keep the pig safe but the old guy's like oh he's i hope he's ready for whatever comes next anyway so then this kid meets googie Who's the worst thing that's ever existed? Not true. And then he meets some other guys. Anyway, they have to find the black cauldron, which is a thing that if you open it, evil, evil, and in the wrong hands. Yeah. Anyway, so they find it, and there's these witches, and they get a sword, and they get the black cauldron, and they can't destroy it, but then. Googie jumps in it, which is the best part of the movie. Mm. And then you the haven't mentioned Cauldron the... sucks in the Horned King, who's the that, bad guy. Yeah, that's the first time you've mentioned him. And then well, the witches bring back Googie, which is the worst part of the movie. Aww. The end. You got 15 more seconds. Uh, I, I don't do want to talk about it anymore. <laughs> Kate, I am seriously having a trouble, having a trouble. You're having a trouble. Here's here's the thing is I'm I'm trying to describe this movie and I was about to talk about how they were all in the forest and they were surrounded by these creatures that made noise to drive them insane. And then, yeah, right? No, that's I know. Flight of Dragons? I know. Yeah. I'm getting this mixed up with Flight of Dragons. Yeah, there's for at least... Yeah, there's not much that happens in this movie. Black, so I will say, uh, Black Cauldron deserves the reputation it has. I agree. Uh, I loved looking at this movie. It's really cool. 
the some of the like CG stuff they do is really interesting because it's like first attempts at like CG in traditional animation. So, what were some specific examples that you remember? There were like fogs and mists and stuff mm-hmm. that I remember being like cool, and they were like they were a little separate and a little overlaid, and there were some things like that, but it was still cool. To me, I think at least. In like the prologue, the cauldron itself mm. had some lighting effects, which made me think that it was CG. Yeah, I think the CG was mainly spe- mainly like special effects. Yes, yeah. Um, and like the I I called out a couple times watching this movie that the effects were really really good, not necessarily really well used, right? Because they would be like, I think you made the joke as we were watching the movie. Ah, it's the Mad King. What should we do? Lightning or fire or or like acid, just do a ball. Uh, just do all the effects. Yeah, they had some some neat things. They they had separately. They had like kind of a rolling fog effect where yeah. we couldn't figure out if it was like you know like live footage of that. Yeah, it looked like it was just fog, kind of like Fantasia style. Yeah. They did. They had some fire that looked really cool, mm-hmm. and they had some like electricity that looked really cool. Mm-hmm. But yeah, uh, oftentimes they would just. Put but them not all always. together. Yeah. yeah. And so it's like, I, I don't know, it kind of had the effect of like, well, let's put our most expensive dark chocolate on our most expensive lobster. Yeah. Like, would, no one asked for that. The, like, the I, joke, Kate, <laughs> is lobster stuffed with tacos. Yeah, but that's Thank not the joke much. that I'm making. Fine. I'm making two high quality things. So like, when they were by themselves, it looked really cool. But yeah. then when they layered them all on top of each other, it just looked like a weird art exhibit. Like, this is too much. Yeah, so it was it, certainly like there was not a lot of self-editing going on as like a broader team. Yeah. Which makes sense because there was a lot of um, a lot of disagreement about ways this story should go over the course of 15 years. Yeah, this, this movie was not, this is not a movie where everyone came together and was like, we've made the best thing ever. Yeah. It, it seems like everyone was kind of like, well, we made this. So, and one of one of the challenges they had from a storytelling perspective, which comes first, and I would assume that the Hobbit might have some of this as well, is, you know, the Hobbit's one book, but the Black Cauldron, the series, which is five books. Yeah, it's yeah. called something else, which I could look up. And but. this is, I think, based um, according to Disney, according to the behind-the-scenes thing we watched. It pulls little bits from every book. According to Wikipedia, it mainly pulls from the first, the first two, two books. Yeah, the Chronicles of Pridane or Pridan or Pridan. Which is like a Welsh yeah. story. So one of the challenges they had were just like there's too many characters and too many stories to choose from Yeah, if we're adapting this all into a single movie. And I think they, you know, they did a lot of things that animation companies do when they're adapting this way, that the Horned King is like a minor villain in the series but he's here Mm. he's like um a combination of several villains to make him more powerful and more uh, menacing but yeah it just seemed like in this and i mean one of the things i had in the hobbit too was like well now they're meeting this group of people and now they're meeting this group and now they're meeting this group and none of these adventures are especially meaningful or like are consequential. There's just a lot of characters to meet. And I know that's a big part of fantasy, but that's also maybe not the main thing that you should go with when going into an adaptation. You have to kind of go with themes. 
and really select your characters carefully. I think also the problem with, I mean, Black Cauldron was like 85 minutes, something like that. It was. I think it was like 122 even. It was like not it's long. It's not long. Yeah, 80. 80 minutes. So the, the other problem is like even condensing one book into 80 minutes is tricky. Five is insane. But like the problem is you're not given downtime and and this was a problem in the hobbit too because like you said it was um a thing happens Mm -hmm. they meet someone and the person tells them a thing and then they go to a thing and then they meet a person and they tell them a thing yeah and it's just like okay i don't have any time to figure out what's going on i'm just being fed information yeah and like uh to compare to uh what i think is a very good adaptation is um the first of the Lord of the Rings movies. Mm-hmm. Um, you spend a half hour at like Bilbo's birthday party, mm-hmm. kind of like learning about the hobbits and kind of learning about Hobbiton. And like you kind of really get a feel right. for this whole thing before you're thrust into war and orcs and ring wraiths and mm-hmm. stuff like that. And, um uh, black cauldron tries to do that but it, it to me it never succeeds it tries to do that and for me that's actually like the most successful act of yeah. the movie oh yeah yeah is actually the exposition it doesn't have anything to do with anything later on yeah but you do meet was it Taryn? you meet henwen the pig yeah like i feel like getting to know henwen and his powers really works well and then he's like just given the boot later on in the story, right? That, Sorry, like, Henwin's powers? Henwin's, Can you describe those powers again? Yes. Uh, he dips his nose into an area of liquid, and then he sees, he's, he, he turns the pool into a crystal ball. He's a psychic pig. But he's like, he's not like, oh, the image that they that they just, just freeze on every time. He's got his like, eyes closed. It looks like he's just like, no, asleep. his eyes are open. It looks like he's like asleep in a pool of no, water. No, he's like sleepwalking. That's like awesome. his eyes are open. But he's not drinking the water. He's just <laughs> dipping part of his face into water with his eyes open. It's just this. Oh, I love it. I love it. Like. We laughed harder every time this this because, device came up. Because it kept being a more and more dramatic. <laughs> At the towards the end, the the horned king is like he uses make, a pig to. Yeah. He uses the pig in this this big dramatic scene, and suddenly there's just a pig with <laughs> this his face dopey in looking water. Pig, like he very much looks like uh, like Piglet Wilbur. Oh yeah, he like, does. Just very sweet looking, and then all of a sudden, oh. like the powers of the universe are in this pig's Which I, widow snout. This is one of those things that, like, in, this book series was not written to be made into a movie, to to my knowledge. And no. you know that because there's a pig who sticks his face in water <laughs> as a power. Which, in a book, probably, like, oh, yeah, yeah, okay, I, I understand that. But it just, you yeah, can't show that. Yeah, there's some, like, freedom of, you know, mental imagery. You can't imagery show that on the screen. There. No, yeah. I love it, though. It's so good. But yeah, like, and that, and there's the, the crux of it. Like, should these be adapted? Adapted? Oh my gosh! Adaptionated. Very, right? Like, 
you said Lord of the Rings is successful. Do you think it's successful as a single movie? Ooh, so I, sa- I it... said the first movie that's is what successful. I, yeah, that's yes, what I meant. to be clear. Um, and, and I think they get... I think the second movie is just dull. Just so boring. Mm-hmm. And then the third I, I, I like again. Mm-hmm. Like, So the the reason I'll say the, the those movies were, were well adapted is because I feel like they kept kind of the adventurous tone where it's like not too dark but not too light and they made cuts where they needed to like a lot of people were upset that tom bombadil was cut out of the first movie Mm -hmm. now tom bombadil he's a guy they meet him he rhymes they move on does he riddle no Uh. But, like, he, like, sings a merry tune. Uh-huh. That's all he does. Sure. He doesn't do anything mm-hmm. for the plot. So they cut him. And that's... Right. That's great. Yes. That's great. That's what you do. And... Like, they could have completely cut out from, like, The Hobbit. They could have cut, like, the whole Elrond scene. I mean, so that's a slippery slope. What scenes matter in The Hobbit? Because... I can tell you what scenes matter. The Trolls. The barrels, um, uh-huh. the Gollum riddles, yeah, the end, the smog ending. But like, matter for what? Because those are the parts of the Hobbit that I remember. I, okay, and so that's I, I care about from the that's books. That's fair. Like as an episodic adventure, this I think has more to do with the sword and the stone yeah. than some like more linear stories. But at the same time, I'm kind of in both of these movies. I'm grasping at like. Why am I watching this? Like, yeah. why Why did you choose this story? Yeah. It must mean something to someone. What am I supposed to take out of either one of these? And I'm not sure. Yeah. Like, I mean, you know, general good versus evil, I guess, for Black Cauldron. But in The Hobbit, that the distinction is not made as much, right? Like, they're no, warring against five factions. It's but not then a good versus evil story. War is silly. Yeah. Yeah. It's a... You know what? Leave your habit hole every once in a while. Yeah. Go like, on an adventure. It's I, fun. I, I guess. I don't know. Like, is Bilbo better for this, for having been on this journey? Yeah, he's got a bunch of gold and a cool ring. I don't know. Yeah, he's got a cool ring, but that gets that gets people into trouble later. I don't know if he wants that ring. Well, he does at this point. So, yeah, I just, I had a heart. I, I really liked the character of Bilbo. He was yes. doing some fun, just like. Very like whimsical, nonsensical commentary or non nonsensical he's, like non sequitur. He's a fish out of water. Yeah, and he's just like, "Ooh, what's happening here? Oh, oh, this seems like a bad idea." You know, like he's yeah. he's a little Winnie the Pooh. He he's a little Winnie the Pooh. I was trying to think, and now I have a specific. This is very very yes, niche. Please. Um, there is a an SNL sketch um, that involves Nathan Lane. As a nun who's just like touring the world, uh-huh. and like he ends up in these different situations, like oh that's a silly situation, and then just moves on to the next like <laughs> piece of the travelogue. Uh-huh. I can't describe it really well, but this felt like Bilbo. He's like oh then it seemed like my dwarf friends were surrounded by people who wanted to kill them. That's quite a pickle. Moving on, like it was yeah because just, he's like because he's like logging. He's like this is, narrating are, through his travelogue. We are reading 
the the book that he's like and that, ever that's the frame of the hobbit right the book is it called there and back again no it's called the hobbit okay um but yeah yeah so like the at least the 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 gist of this is we're like we are experiencing bilbo's travel log mm-hmm. so like you know i i like i like to think that he's a little bit of an unreliable narrator mm-hmm. uh and yeah i i don't i don't i don't know it's just it's it's funny cuz the juxtaposition and i think you said that this maybe captures the hobbit's tone better than jackson's lord of the ring movies as a whole captures lord of the ring like it's I, I would, they're more serious than Lord of the Rings, the book, I would which say, are more serious than The Hobbit. I would say, um, specifically, this is closer to the tone of The Hobbit than The Hobbit movies, mm, than, than Peter Jackson's Hobbit movies. Um, like, Lord of the Rings, I think he does a pretty good job um, by, like, moderning some stuff up and putting, like, quips in where quips weren't to, to yeah. help lighten the mood. But, like, his... Again, I only watched the first of the three Hobbit movies, mm-hmm. but it was dark and boring and humorless and scary. Mm-hmm. It was horrible. I hated it uh, because The Hobbit is a children's book about a little fuzzy guy. It is specifically a children's book. Yeah. Lord of the Rings trilogy is not, but right. The Hobbit is a children's fantasy novel yeah like akin to an alice in wonderland right Mm. like it's a it's a book for kids it's like a little headier Mm -hmm. of a book for kids right but it's not like it's it's interesting because even reading like some of the critical reception to this Mm -hmm. some people were like wow this doesn't capture the serious tone of the book and it's like well what book did you read (laughs) Are you thinking of Lord of the Rings? Because that's different. Like yeah. it's a it's a goofy, chubby boy who hides in a barrel. He's cute. Yeah. Yeah. Um. Kate. Yeah, and so. Yeah. So both of these book series, yeah. well regarded in their genres. Had you ever heard of the Black Cauldron Tales of? I whatever's? have not, but it seems like if you're a fan of this genre, you have. Interesting. You know, I'm you a know fan of the, the genre. I'd never Chronicles heard of, it of Pridain or Pridain. Yeah, that's that's at least the. I mean, that might that's that might I'm say more about of. me than it says about the Black Cauldron or the Chronicles. And of the Pridain. novels are based on Welsh mythology, right. so they're like retellings anyway. So, both of these books, successful, continue to be successful, I think. These movies, not so much. I think Hobbit just kind of fell off, right? It comes out in an era where there's no way to keep your movies. Right. And it's a TV release. It's not a theatrical release. So, it just kind of falls off the wayside. Right. Black Cauldron is is kind of... Disney hides it. Um, yeah, what's the... Shadow, it was shadow vaulted for a while, right? Like <laughs> shadow vaulted, but yeah, because yeah. like you said, it came out. What year did it come out? Eighty five, and then it came out on home video in ninety eight with like Mulan and like yeah, wow, yeah. So what what do you think makes the books successful, but not the movies? I mean, we've talked about kind of movies might need a little bit clearer message. So that's, I mean, that's hard for me to answer because I haven't read the 
Perdane mm-hmm. books, mm-hmm. but I assume they're better. Yeah. Um, but I think there's also there's also something. The problem I think that Jackson um, and whoever else was involved really ran into with The Hobbit. Mm-hmm. And is, when he made those movies after Lord of the Rings, but when correct. is when are we talking? Like twenty? Okay, cool. I don't know. That's fine. You're asking me questions I don't have the answer to. Um, but the problem that I think you've run into is that Tolkien is a descriptive writer, a very very descriptive writer and that's something that's true of a lot of fantasy authors is they are building a world Mm -hmm. they want you to know everything about the world Mm -hmm. and they draw maps of the world and they're at the Mm -hmm. beginning of the books and they have like words that they make up and and there's like a glossary Mm -hmm. at the end of the book right tolkien invented elven language Mm -hmm. like there's a book on how to write and read elven Mm-hmm. Right, because Tolkien invented a language for this. He wrote the Cimmerillion, which to me reads like an encyclopedia. It's mm-hmm. a history of Middle Earth. Uh-huh. It's a very dry history book mm-hmm. about the history of Middle Earth. It's more detail than you could ever put in a movie. Yeah, and I think that's part of the problem. And and. Uh, another author that does this who has had um, movies both turned into or books turned into good movies and books turned into bad movies mm-hmm. is Michael Crichton. Mm. Um, he very much, oh, interesting. he's an explainy author. He's a descriptive author. He's an mm, author. But like Jurassic Park. You wouldn't know it from that movie. You would, yeah. Yeah. Because that movie is we are taking the important parts we mm-hmm. are putting them in uh anything that is a longer explanation than needed we're chopping down like the book and the movie are are fairly different uh-huh but they both work because that's a well adapted like and in order to adapt something well you do have to to cut stuff and i can tell you like really simply what we learn from beginning to end which is the the Malcolm quote that I always get wrong, but yeah. we could, but should we, right? The nope. <sighs> you scientists spent so much time thinking, thinking about, about what they could, whether, whether they, they could, could. They didn't. They didn't stop, stop to, to think about whether they should. You got it. Thank you. <laughs> oh boy. But that's right. But that's like the through line of the that's, movie. That's the whole thrust of the movie. You I, got it. I don't have a quote or an idea from either one of these movies. Not really. And so, you know, why an adaptation, I guess, of these? Is it, you know, is it? And, and I'm not going to look to Wikipedia for this. Right. This is just a more rhetorical question. Like, is it animators falling in love with these books and figuring like, well, I've got this storytelling skill i can transfer it to my medium if i really love this or like hey these books have sold a lot they'll probably sell a lot of movie tickets and like with with the hobbit especially i i think there are things that translated well from the book examples the songs yes yeah it like some of the songs are just written out in the books Mm mm-hmm and some of the songs were kind of like written for the movie as far as I yeah, gathered. Yeah, we haven't really mentioned this yet. This is 
it's not a musical, no. but it is a song-based movie. Like, Very it's got so. several songs in it, um, the same way that, like, earlier Disney has yeah. music in it, um, sung by the characters, sung by narrators. Um, and, and that's, that's like something said, Tolkien did. Two of the songs are directly, like, Tolkien transcribes them in the yeah. book, right? So, and I thought those were cool because... Like Flight of Dragons, this has a very like seventies feel to its soundtrack. Like it's the oh my god, like John like Denver the 70s adjacent chase music. Yeah, and the, the, but then the, there's like funk and the, yeah. It kept feeling like the beginning of um, Jesus Christ Superstar. Yeah. Yeah. And so the so there's okay there's like a lot of things going on musically. There's like a pretty cool score. There's one or two folk songs sung by like a kind of unnamed narrator, kind of like uh, Phil Collins, Tarzan style. Sure. Um, and then there are songs from the book, but they all kind of fit together stylistically mm-hmm. really well, even though the Tolkien ones are, you know, made to sound more like Middle Ages tunes. And- but the arrangements of them add some 70s and cinematic um you know, ornaments and, you know, orchestration behind it, which I thought was really cool because, uh, like, I think I asked you both times, like, are these from, like, once I knew that some of them were from the books, like, I could tell they were from the book, but I didn't know immediately. I had to wait a little while because it was so well integrated into the kind of the musical landscape. They're silly songs. Yeah. Just to be clear. like I always knew from the lyrics. Yeah. yeah, They they are... (laughs) They are silly There's songs. Fourteen birds in a tree who can shoot them down, and it's like referring to the fourteen, the thirteen dwarves, and yeah, lucky that are, number that are fourteen. Like hiding Bilbo. up in the tree, uh-huh. or like, uh, what is it like? Something, something, smash the plates. That's what Bilbo Baggins hates. Yeah, yeah. Like, they're goofy songs. Again, this is a movie for, ch- or this is a book yeah. for children. Yeah, not that. We do a podcast about movies for children. Uh-huh. Nothing wrong with that. Just want to. St- just I think these songs are. I just want to stress that mm-hmm. this is not supposed to be over serious. Yeah, and I really, I really appreciate that it is not over serious. Um. Yeah. yeah, and like you said, a great example of taking something from the book, transferring it to cinema, and it yeah. works. Yeah. Anything else that you particularly felt was well. Adapted mm. or adaptated, however you want to say it. Uh, ad- adaptortioned. Um, I don't know. I I like that. Yeah, I don't know. I thought it was. <laughs> I thought it was fine. I am just realizing now that there's like there's no vocal music in Black Cauldron, not even a singover. Like there is score. There there's is score. Yeah. Theremin. <laughs> oh there's yeah, there's heavy theremin. theremin. Like that's kind of the Horned King's motif is like weird is all the special effects and a theremin yeah but like even the fox and the hound which is the movie that comes right before this directed by the same guys um it's got like when you're the best of friends having so much fun together like there's like a montage number with a song you don't know that that song is that by uh what do you randy newman no, no. When you're the best of friends having so much fun together. I don't know if those lyrics are correct, but best of friends is the name of the oh, song. Those are not the actual lyrics to the song. It might be. I'll, well, I'll look it up. You're the best of friends No, but it's like, I mean, it's together. very like. 
You're also John Denver. He's a hound. <laughs> that would be the song that Randy Newman would yeah. write for that. But yeah, no music at all here except for score, which I think, you know, we're talking about bleakness and dullness. Yeah. That's this movie really needs it. There's a couple times where you think they're going to break into song. Or like, this would be a good place for a song. I thought the Horned King was going to break into song uh, yeah. at one point, and he didn't. Yeah. And I was confused. Yeah. Because it built up, the like score built up like it was about to be a yeah. song. The The Horned King in general is an interesting factor of this movie because not only did like his design change a couple times and he's in, you know, he's a combination of multiple characters, but he was supposed to kind of be in charge of more things in the story and then he's not right <laughs> he like to, well like he was supposed to be a middle manager but he he, <laughs> he only got one report so it's like well i guess i'm a manager but um, i'm only working with one person so in a you know midway through the like actual we're doing this movie process um there's a preview of it for a mixed audience and like kids are running out screaming in the middle of the movie because ah. it's so scary. And there's particularly the scene at the end where he calls for the cauldron born, the dead skeletons yeah. that rise up out of the goo. Not the living skeletons. That, no, what? You like, specified that he called forth dead skeletons. Yes, and then they became living skeletons. Oh. Uh and that scene is supposed to be, is for the original cut, was longer. Ah. And so... I wonder, so... It felt short in the movie. Well. Oh. Well. Kate, is this where you're going to drop some knowledge on me? Fun fact, The Black Cauldron is the first uh, animated movie to be produced under new uh, animation studio head, Jeffrey Katzenberg. Now, is this the same Jeffrey Katzenberg (laughs) that wanted to cut Whole New World from Little Mermaid? And put it in Aladdin? (laughs) Shut up. You know what I meant. That's part of your world, yes. Part of your world. Um, Okay, I got one of the words. He's just always been about quick bites, Dick. Just (laughs) how can we make this movie quicker bites? Take out the songs. Take out the scary parts. I'm going to be honest. Quick bites is a little long to say. Is there a shorter way to say quick bites? You could even cut up the the quick words quick bites into quibby. Just like Jeffrey Katzenberg threatened to do the editing himself on the Black Cauldron. <laughs> because of these kids running screaming, they decided that the the cauldron-born scene needed to be cut. There was, like, part of it where... Because they the skeletons, like, dragged down these, like, warriors into the... Like, human warriors into the death mm-hmm. goo. And then they become skeletons. Cool. But we were supposed to see, like, the rotting flesh of that Oh, we were going to see him, like, melt into yes. skeletons? Yes, Awesome. But that was too scary, and mm. Katzenberg said this has to be cut. And because the scene was already done, it wasn't in the animatic stage, the directors pushed back, like, well, that's going to, like, we can't re... We yeah. have to completely redo all the animation on this, and we're already, like... 15 years behind on this project but really they're like four years behind in actual production um at this point and um so jeffrey katzenberg threatens to like he takes the film into an editing room himself to start editing it jeffrey katzenberg not an editor he doesn't have any professional expertise so this is a situation and also this isn't back in the day where or this isn't now where editing is digital Mm mm-hmm 
you literally edit by cutting something am, with a razor yes, and am, taping it. I am picturing Jeffrey Katzenberg in a dark room with like two pairs of scissors in his hands and like as, a maniacal. As someone who has edited <laughs> with a razor and tape, it is not easy. So, um, as you can imagine, the creative team was not pleased with this plan. <laughs> Very scared. I can't imagine. So they said, that, yeah. "No, no, no, no! Wait, 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 wait! We'll figure it out. We'll figure it out." <laughs> kind of like the. Well, if we, if Carnival Anna of the Animal works uh, in the beginning of Beauty and the Beast, why not just use that? <laughs> no, 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 no! No, we'll write you another song. We'll, we'll, we'll write another don't song. Worry we'll about write it. another song. It's fine. It's fine. It's fine. <laughs> so, that's an edit that I want to see. I want to see the Katzenberg cut. Oh my god! Of just like sideways, like diagonal, yeah, screw, like stripes down screw the screen. the Snyder cut. I want the Katzenberg cut. Always. But it ended up being that that scene is, it feels short because it is literally cut in places. Like there are places that the score jumps yeah. because they couldn't, they didn't have enough time to rewrite anything. So, um, but there are some like existing animatics of how that would have looked. It's not that bad by like, as soon as you've seen like Rasputin die and Anastasia, right? There's, it's not any worse than that. But but if it was sending kids screaming, yes. then that's something. Um, but you do wonder if they had gotten feedback that like, oh, this is all really cool. Maybe it would have been built out a little bit more because right. as it stands, the the that final sequence with the cauldron born coming up and then escaping the layer to like go wreak havoc in the world. Lasts about like thirty seconds, yeah, and then Googie, Gurgi, uh, sacrifices himself into yes. a cauldron, and then all the cauldron born just disappear. Yeah, they so like fall off the bridge. Let's talk about both of these movies and their endings because I think yeah. I think there is a similar weirdness in how they end. Mm-hmm. So. In the, in the case of Black Cauldron... The whole thing they've been doing the whole time is trying to find this cauldron... And so destroy that, it. And destroy it so that the Horned King can't use it to create this cauldron-born army. That's the whole point of the movie. Right. We put up with a lot of boring things on the way there because we've been promised this scary guy is going to pose a real threat. Yeah. And then when he actually does get to do that thing, it's over in less than a minute... Because someone must willingly jump into the cauldron. Right. Uh, we assume sacrificing themselves. They, yeah, they say that. They can never get out. They can never get out. Uh, they have to willingly jump into the cauldron. Our hero is going to do it, but instead Googie does it. Mm-hmm. Because he has no friends. It's and very sad. It's it's so sad. It's, uh, it's disturbing because... he deserves it. But right before it, he's just like, Googie will do it because you have friends. Googie has no friends, no friends at all. Jump, and so it's it's an on-screen suicide. It's pretty great. Um, <sighs> and then the all the skeletons fall, and the horned king gets sucked into the cauldron. Yeah, and that's it. And that's it. They don't cause any harm to the outside world. They never get. There's not even like a. You know how like action movies will like kill someone off that's unimportant or like show you like this is the power that they have. Yeah. There's not even that. There's just they walk a little bit on a bridge and then it's done. Whereas with the Hobbit, uh, there's a giant dragon. Our hero knows this dragon has coated itself because dragons have soft bellies Mm -hmm. and they're armored otherwise. This dragon has coated itself in gold. 
Oh. Yeah, it wasn't super clear, no. but that is the story. Yep, that, okay. He has coated himself in gold so that he is armored on the bottom, too. Uh-huh. Except there is one area where, where there is not gold. Forgot to put some gold. Where he is vulnerable. Mm-hmm. And our hero tells a bird. and the, <laughs> Who may or may not be Gandalf in my headcanon. And the bird goes and tells a human who... We don't know We've his never name. never met before. And he shoots the dragon. With his special black arrow that he converses with before shooting. And that's it. Then the dragon's dead. And then there's a little bit of scuffle of who gets the reward. But for... our, our hero yeah. tells a bird yeah. who tells just another character he, not one of the dwarfs does he even tell the bird though or the bird is just there no he's, for he he says hey bird you can oh. you know what's happening here i see and then the bird goes but like we could have had the one of the dwarves use a bow and yeah. shoot it. like some character that we know yeah and i think i think that is a change that was made for the hobbit movie that bilbo does it himself no i think like the sexy dwarf does it <laughs> the sexy um but I not sexy in our version, but sexy in not Peter at all. Jackson's version. Um but yeah, like I think one of the dwarfs does it or or someone known or like Legolas or something. I uh-huh. don't know. But um yeah, the fact that it's just like some human yeah. is so weird. Well and it and it further like obfuscates this idea of like, well then why was Bilbo Baggins here like he plays such a minor part in all of these adventures. Yeah. Like, what? He's just there to write things down? Is that. <laughs> um, speaking of endings, Dick. Yes. Um, both of these movies were the ends of an era for some of their creative team. Oh, interesting. That gave birth, you might say rebirth, to much bigger and more successful things. Okay, so. What you're telling me is the people like the company that made Black Cauldron went on to do other things. You might have heard of uh, some projects they did after that, like uh, the Little Mermaid, uh, Beauty and the Beast, nope. Aladdin, no. The Lion King. No. Uh, famously, this is you know Disney's at has the least money it's ever had. Its animation studio is in real danger of being like cut or like, severely downsized from the company. Almost killed Disney animation. Yes. But they start to climb out of their cauldron uh, <laughs> with like the next Googie? few mu- movies. And then this gives literal uh, birth to the Renaissance, the Disney Renaissance. Yeah. You've got a lot of um, lower level animators on here who end up being really big deals during the Renaissance. Glenn Keane, Mark Henn. I mean, all, all of those names. You Andrea see. Stasia. Don Hahn is on this project oh. as like a script supervisor. Um uh, Richard Rich. Uh, Richard Rich, yes. Mm-hmm. Uh, Fox and the Hound, Black Cauldron, Swan Princess, all of the uh, other Swan Princesses. Kate, do you a know bunch who of other else Mormon cartoons? Uh, is a famous Richard Rich? Macaulay Culkin. Uh, well, yes, but John Hurt. Uh, John Hurt, who played the Horned King. Mm. Uh, his first breakout role was Richard Rich in A Man for All Seasons. Whoa. Oh, there you go. Anyway. Um, <laughs> yeah, the Musker and Clemens leave this project for yeah. creative differences. They were writers or animated supervisors, and that frees them up to direct Great Mouse Detective, their first, their, that's their directorial debut, 
and of course they do Little Mermaid. Um, and so, yeah, there it's like there's light at the end of the weird theremin tunnel at yeah. the end of this. This is this is I feel I feel like this is really appropriate for, and we'll get we'll go on to uh, talk about yeah, um, the Hobbit. Yep, team as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I think this is really appropriate for like basically our pandemic anniversary episode. Mm. Like, it's the darkest time for Disney. Yeah, animation yeah. ever. But slowly but surely, yeah, good things come of it. Like, and you really see. I am just. I'm feeling weirdly hopeful that that hopefully like the great mouse detective will come out of covid. Yeah. <laughs> I may I might be getting this metaphor wrong. I mean, but. you you see this in this movie that like you, this is proof of concept of why Don Bluth left, right? Of like no one's worried about storytelling anymore. No. He's like he he firmly believed that Walt Disney would have walked out with him when he did because this is not anything like what Walt had envisioned for the storytelling right. of the And even, even in the behind-the-scenes stuff, like listening to the... One of the directors. The directors just be like, so The Black Cauldron is a movie where there's a boy and there's a girl and they do Yeah, that. he's got no he's energy. He's that exciting. He's no inflection. He's not enthused And you're just... He, I, I just watched this movie. I'm like, oh, look how badly they needed Howard Ashman. Like... <laughs> I like Great Mouse Detective. I like those middle movies. Yeah. Okay, but like Howard Ashman could have could have fixed this. I think. Like, I mean, Howard Ashman did a song for Oliver and Company. You give a he character a motive, right and a bunch of things change. Yeah. So, uh, Dick, did the animators behind The Hobbit do anything notable after? No. False. In fact, their company so, their company closed. It did top. Uh, top surf, top golf, top top, top chef, top craft, top craft so animation. It, Rankin it closed. Bass, it shut down. This is a Rankin Bass directed yeah. movie, but they um, partnered with a Japanese company, Top Craft, to do the actual animating. Like mm-hmm. some of the designs came from Rankin Bass, but mostly this is. And they shut down and were never heard from again. Uh, they shut down, and oh. the bulk of their animating team uh, started or founded a. A uh, little company called Studio Ghibli or Studio I, Ghibli. With I, I think the story is Miyazaki purchased Topcraft uh, and renamed it and like reworked it into Studio Ghibli. Oh, really? Ghibli. That is one of the accounts that I've read. Okay. I, I could be mistaken, okay. but yeah. That, I mean, that would be about the same. Story. It's Studio Ghibli. Yeah. It's uh, the biggest Japanese animation studio. Well, you, not. I mean, I don't know. And I don't you, know, but you recognize this before we learned it. That I we were looking at like the dragon specifically and like, oh, this looks like anime. Yeah, it, I didn't recognize Ghibli. Uh, you sure. actually called that out. Well, yeah. So I have a special knack for when things are extra terrifying with weird <laughs> shapes and uh, just nightmare proportions. Yeah. I'm like, oh, that looks like a Ghibli monster. Like well, the, was that one of the goblins? The, the goblins specifically which, uh, in this film were I very... I saw a review that, that described them as like... Um, Looking like something by Maurice Sendak, which I also which, see. I mean, right? It's somewhere. It's like the nightmare version of Totoro. Yeah. Like. Um, but yeah, uh, the the animation in the action scenes specifically, and especially like the dragon, um, just the way speed is conveyed, mm. the way some of the chase scenes feel 
faster mm-hmm. than you'd expect from 1970s American animation. Mm-hmm. Like, there's just, I don't know, there's like a fluidity and a, a design style that I was like, oh, oh, this is this is Japanese. Mm-hmm. And it was fun to find out afterwards, like, oh, it was. Yeah. <laughs> um, and like, as soon as the credits roll, it's like Rankin, Bass. Bass. Yoshitama. All Japanese names. After All Japanese that. names. <laughs> um, so that was really cool. Um, and yeah, yeah. 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 Dick, is it time? Oh boy, it's time. For the final cut? Oh, it's time for the final cut. All right. Let's move into our ending segments. Okay. Where we answer some questions. All right. And I, I'm going to introduce a new segment. Oh, oh. Because uh, normally we start with our MVP. Normally we start with scene shout out. But Normally we go start on. with scene shout out. But um, okay, let's do scene shout out. And then I've got a new segment. All right. Um, I've got a scene shout out go. for the Black Cauldron. Go for it. Um, it's whatever the first time I heard Googie say crunchings and munchings. Because that's really adorable. You didn't hear him say that. You heard him say. (laughs) Because he sounds like he's talking into his hand. He's impossible to hear. I think it's um, It's the worst. They're making a fucking voice. They're making a deal for the for a trade with the witches of like they're they want the black cauldron, but the witches want something in return. And all they've got is this like really powerful sword that Taran's been using. Um. But uh, like a like a lovely little something muffin. Bunch of coconuts. Um, <laughs> Gurgi takes out an apple core of an apple that he has stolen from Taran earlier. Um, he's like, I could donate my crunchings and munchings. And it's very sweet. And I love crunchings and munchings instead of the word apple core. And the fact that he thinks this is valuable. I, I know you hated Gurgi. Gurgi was the only only part of this movie that i cared about besides the pig going weird uh comatose when thank you when it's nose touched water yeah um i and it's glenn Keane is supervising animator on this so he's uh, he's got some personality um i guess i'm more talking about an mvp at this point but i like that scene where right. he offered that it shows you a character trait my scene shout out is when gurgi died Boo. because it was great Boo. Because we were finally rid of Gurgi. Boo. Do you the have a real worst. one? Um, no. There's a good, I mean. No, here, here, I got, I got, I got. Um, okay, my scene shout out for Flight of Dragons is, for Black Cauldron, <laughs> is um, the first time we see the pig put his nose yeah. In the water. Yeah. Uh, like legitimately at the beginning, the kid grabs a like a stick and he pretends he's got like a cool magic sword and he like mm. duels some gooses. Yeah. And then he duels a goat. He does not win. He does not win. Goat. Uh, I thought that was fun. Yeah. It, it, I, I would have liked to have developed our character more than that. Mm-hmm. Like the, um, you know, Star Wars is kind of the, the prime example for me of like 
here's how you do it right. Like, this is a great baseline. Mm -hmm. Is like, you get a lot of time of Luke Skywalker being like, I want to do this. Yeah. Here's why you can't do that. I'm going to do it. Like, you get that that development. And we don't really get it with Dark Cauldron because it's like, I want to do this. No. Go feed the pig. Okay. Like, it's kind of like, we're not, we're not really getting, but, um, his, his like fake sword fight, I think is really cute. It's fun. Also, Gurgi died. Mm. Horn King has some neat animation, especially earlier on, but it's not better than like the, you got seen Shadow from the Mountain. Um, uh, um, uh, mm. Really? Not a scene. Okay. Wow. Do you have one? I, I'm trying to think of a specific moment. I, can, I got a, I got a couple. I can like, I like out. the narrating, like the non sequitur narrating frames, but I don't yeah. feel like that's enough of a scene. Um, Sure. It'll be the end of the Gollum scene. They're telling riddles for almost a half hour. <laughs> and uh, it's really, it's the longest single scene in the movie. It is. Um of a one hour, 20 minute movie. And he, when he gets the ring, he realizes that when he puts the ring on, he can turn invisible. And so he tricks Gollum into showing him the exit. And I think one, that's a cool, like it's one of the only times in the movie where like something happens in the scene and then they're able to use it to like get through a conflict in the scene. Mm -hmm. There's like, an arc of the scene and i think the animation is really cool they like you know they fade his cell his layer um that in a really convincing way where you understand that he's you understand how he's invisible why he's invisible that he's invisible and then he follows him out um and also it makes a really cool sound when he puts on that ring and it goes whoop and he turns invisible like oh and when he turns (laughs) visible again he goes yeah yeah is the opposite it's lovely it's wonderful yeah Yeah. um my shout out is also an invisibility scene Mm. and that's uh his like kind of taunting of smog the dragon he like Mm -hmm. you know bilbo gets in there and he's like yo smog what's up i got your treasure smog's like i can't see you but i can smell you and i can hear you Mm -hmm. and i know you're there um and he kind of like riddles at smog and smog's like uh, I don't do riddles. Yeah. I'm going to breathe fire at you. That was nice. And I like that Bilbo, he gets a little too big for his britches. Uh-huh. And it seems like the smog thing does not go the way he yeah, necessarily he gets, wishes to. Yeah, he gets like flamed out of the cave yeah. before I, he thinks he's going to. And I like that. I like that our yeah. that our timid hero has finally overcome his timidity, but now he's learning uh, maybe <laughs> don't go in the other direction too far either. Yeah. Yeah. Nice. Do you have... Okay, now would be the MVP time. Well, Do you have another segment LVP. to add? LVP. Least valuable player. Oh. I'm sorry. I think we need to do it. No, I know who yours is going to be. I'm yeah, so it's, sad. It's Gurgi. Ugh. He's the worst. Why is Gurgi the worst? How can we have such a different opinion on this? I can't understand him. Yeah. And he's stupid. And I hate him. I hate him so much. I. It's because he is designed to appeal to me in a specific way mm-hmm. without 
anyone actually putting the care into him to like make a character. Yeah. It's just like, it's like, hey, we've designed this character for you to love. Yeah. We're going to kind of give him a stupid voice and we're not going to give him any jokes. Uh, he's not going to say anything funny. He says crunchings and munchings a lot. Uh, whackings and smackings. He's, he says that sort That's of stuff. That's fun. But he doesn't, he doesn't say any jokes. He's not funny. He's just kind of a dick who steals an apple from this kid and then he calls him a king and it's not clear what's going on. Master too, right? I don't understand what Gurgi is. Yeah. He's like Gollum from the Lord of the Rings, but like, I hate him. Yeah. So anyway, I hate Gurgi. Do you have a least valuable player? Gandalf. Yeah. What the hell is he doing? I know. He could be the most valuable player, but he's not using any of his skills for good. He's just messing with them. Yeah. Like Bilbo's like, why am I joining this? Uh, Because you're 14. What? You're the 14th. 13 is unlucky. There's 13 otherwise, so. You're 14. (sighs) Well, anyone else could be 14. Yep, but you are. Get out of here, Gandalf. Bilbo yeah. can do this himself. Yeah. Also, of. any of the dwarfs right after Gandalf. Yeah. They don't deserve the kingdom that they win by the hand of everyone else in the movie. Um, sorry. They're do, jerks. Do you remember when I was reading off uh, dwarfs to you earlier? Yeah, Dindle and Squindle and... Dindle and Squindle and Findle and Boylan and Boylan. Um, so, all of the dwarfs, or maybe just 12 of them, are voiced by the same person. Yeah. <laughs> So I believe that because there is no differentiation there was, between them. I like I thought it was bad, but I was like, man, these dwarves all sound the same. And then I looked it up on IMDb like, oh, they are. They are. So now an MVP. I'm no. going to take Gurgi back. Um, no, he's not great, but Gurgi's your MVP. No, I'm going to take Gurgi back because Ugh. yes, because he's the only thing in the Black Cauldron that makes me want to pay attention. You know, no, you know what? I'll give it to Henwen. Yeah. Henwen Henwen's is great. above Gurgi. I wish that Henwen had like some more fun sounds if to Gurgi make. If Gurgi stuck his face in a puddle and showed us Ooh. magic, sure. I'll pay attention to Gurgi. Yeah. Henwen's gone too soon. He's gone like yeah. by the time, like halfway through the second act. He just gets protected and goes back home. No longer Oh my needed. God. Yeah. They drop him off with yeah, fairies. They drop him off back home. I forgot yeah. about the fairies. Yeah. There's a whole thing where there's a grumpy fairy. Is there a whole thing? There is. Yeah. I thought one of them, yeah, I thought I recognized the voices and then I did not. They're kind of like, a, what is the, the... They're like the seven dwarfs. Oh, no, that's more like the dwarf dwarfs. Um, The doozers. They're, they're oh, like, yeah, they're like the doozers. Yeah, like yeah, doozers. yeah, yeah. Dick, who's your MVP? John Houston. All right. Yeah. Okay. Uh, he does a good voice, yeah. John Houston, uh, writer and director of... Maltese Falcon, Treasure of Sierra Madre, The African Queen, The Man Who Would Be King, Prizzy's Honor, and also a uh, voice in both of these movies. Yeah, he's... World War II veteran, the, major in the U.S. Army. The narrator at the beginning of Black Cauldron? He's the narrator in uh, Black Cauldron, and he's... Um, Someone in... Was <laughs> the hobbit is he gandalf yeah i think he's, he's gandalf. gandalf yeah that's correct so anyway uh yeah john houston father of uh angelic houston oh yeah. um dick if you were to cross over or if i were to cross over these two films yeah uh how would how would you do it 
What, oh, would, what would you do? Cross over Gurgi and Smaug. Just have Smaug eat Gurgi. And we're done. It's That's great. So sad. It's great. Mm. Um, if if I if I yeah, if no, I'm gonna go give a it. if I'm gonna give a real answer that's not just hating on Gurgi, which is really fun. Um, so I I guess I would cross over the star. I would cross over the charm uh-huh. of the Hobbit with okay. the. Special effects animation of the Black Cauldron. Mm. I, I think yeah, yeah. I think I think there's a way to combine these two to get a really. I think there's a way to make one of these movies really good. Mm-hmm. I think an animated Hobbit could be great. Mm-hmm. I think uh, the Black Cauldron is a story that uh, at, at least like the. I'm sure the books have many more stories, but I think this story, as given, could be interesting. I just i I would like to see it. Yeah. So yeah, I would. I'd like to. You know what? I I want to give. Uh, I, I mean, this is a future crossover. Okay. I give Studio Ghibli the Black Cauldron. Mmm. Yeah, that would probably be good. Good, good coming of age story. Taran's gonna have to wipe, like, wash some floors. Yeah. 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 What's your crossover, my friend? I mean, there's, I feel like each of, I want to almost like combine the villains is what I want to do because like the, the menace of the Horned King and the like actual threat of Smog I think could be interesting together because yeah. like Smog feels a little not as mean as he needs to be. He's just a dragon that's hanging out. I mean, and I like that, honestly, yeah. like his kind of like a, I don't care why you're here. Get uh, like go away, burglar. Go away. Yeah, um, but I think combining them, right? You'd have like a Maleficent level. A Mad King could ride Smaug. Yeah, but I think what I really want is a Bilbo Henwin adventure. Oh, they would. They'd have so much fun. Oh, Bilbo and Henwin. Yeah. Oh, that's so nice. You could use Henwin to be like, oh, I'm definitely staying away from there. That looks too dangerous. Or they could just, just gonna... they could just be back in the Shire and just like picking vegetables together. Yeah, just having a nice time. Yeah. And their big adventure is that there's a, a rabbit that's getting into Bilbo's oh, vegetables no. garden. Yeah. That'd be really cute. I'd watch that. Mm. I think it is time for the final. Final? Cut. Cut. Of the show, where we take each movie and we decide whether we would re-release the movie as is, modern audiences. Oh my God, no. Make a special edition of some sort, um, whether it's a remake or a new medium, or whether we toss them in the vault, not just Shadow Vault, to really vault them. A real vault, never to be seen again. Never to be seen again. Dick, I'd like you to go first with either movie. I'm going to start with The Hobbit. Mm -hmm. Um and I, I, I'm gonna give it a re-release. I think, mm-hmm. I, I think it has problems. My face is not. No, convinced. your face is not convinced. I, I think it has problems, but I think it's a really interesting artifact of, sure, of a time before adaptations were like the Lord of the Rings movies or like a Jurassic Park or, yeah, or whatever, where it's like. 
we're making this TV movie for kids and we've gotten a bunch of Japanese animators and we're not totally sure what's going on. Here you go. Mm-hmm. Um, I, but I think it's, I think it's an interesting artifact. Like I, I almost want to cheat and do a Kate special edition where I'm like, I put it in a museum. museum. But like, I, I think it's, I, I wasn't bored watching it. Mm-hmm. Uh, it wasn't painful to watch. It was pretty quick. The Gullum scene went on for a little while, mm-hmm. but I I didn't mind it personally. I I I guess my special edition would be better Gullum voice. He was very hard to understand. He was yeah. more I to me more so than Gurgi. Incorrect, but and what he was saying was more important. At least that's what the scene told me. Yes, he said literally anything important, unlike Gurgi. Well, but like the riddles, like I couldn't hear his riddles. But that's what I'm saying. He at least had some importance. Yeah. Well. Okay. Gurgi. Yes, Gurgi is color. The only good thing that Gurgi did was die. No. That was his whole purpose. Crunchings and munchings, but they. They wish for Gurgi to return when what the Black waste, Cauldron. What a when they waste return of the Black Cauldron, that's what they want back, not the sword. Not since most Master Roshi got seven they Dragon Balls was a wish wasted Gurgi. so badly. Gurgi, known mental problems. What's your take I think on this Hobbit? Both of these stories, if you're going to adapt them. In 1977 Kate. and 1985, yeah, this is why I'm doing mine together. That's, Hobbit. That's cheating. And The Black Cauldron both need to be, instead of the animated movies, in their years, they're Henson movies. Like, they're both screaming mm. to have Henson puppets. All of these weird-ass creatures. This is what he maybe should have done instead of Dark Crystal, because it didn't seem like people cared about that. But like... Whoa. It doesn't. People didn't. I think you may be misestimating the Dark Crystal. I think people really care about it. It was Dark Crystal a story before. I don't know. Anyway, um, certainly I feel like Black Cauldron could be a really good Henson, right? Like you've got the cute one, you've got Gurgi, you've got the really scary one, you've got. Like there has been talk of Disney. starting to go for this one for a live action remake and i think this could be worth it because you could redo story elements actually give their uh, yeah. give a story at all and i've been saying like if you're going to remake something remake something that didn't work or something that needs right. to be remade right. black cauldron is a great one to remake yeah yeah but even if it was like made in 1985 with jim henson like it's not going to be worse than labyrinth it, no it will be but <laughs> I, David Bowie again. Then I like the, I like the idea though. Like I I would even maybe do it like um like the movie Legend, right? Where it's it's just like a live action movie. Okay. And like Gurgi would still be a puppet. Yeah. Right. But yeah. Like, oh, I'm not saying that Taran would be a puppet. Oh. Yeah. Okay. No, it would be like Labyrinth style, where the creatures are creatures, and, but the yeah. people are people. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that could be really good. Yeah. yeah. The Hobbit, you might be able to do everyone. Kind of like do a Sweetums for a Gandalf and an Emmett Otter kind of. Anyway, um, Henson. Both these, but yeah, Henson's. Okay. What do you do with Black Cauldron, Dick? Uh, 
I guess I just cut Gurgi out of it. That's a pretty good movie. And who sacrifices himself for the Black Cauldron? Selfishly. Uh, the boy. Our yeah, lead. it should have been. Yeah. It yeah. should have been him. Because, and I understand if this is the first of five books, right? Right. You can't do that. But yeah, if they get him back at the end. But then that's just, that's no sacrifice. Yeah. Just like with Gergi, it was no sacrifice. If anything, it was nice that. that we didn't have to hear Gergi's voice for a while. Boo. Um, so what you're saying, remake it without Gergi. Yeah. That's your real answer. Um, but like also just strike Gergi from my memory because I hate Gergi. Well, he can live in mine. That's no problem. Deal. Thank you, Cameron, for this great pairing. Um, it gave us a lot to talk about. Yeah, and these were really, really interesting to watch together. Specifically, very, yes, right? Yes. Like this was it, like I think we had been looking for something to do Black Cauldron with, because right? It's, like you said, I want to see it. What is it's it? It's infamous. Mm-hmm. It was like, what do we watch that with? And mm-hmm. I think I think this was a really good choice to go with it yeah Yeah. i think when similar adaptations are made but they kind of fork off in different directions there's a lot to there's a lot of meat on those bones yeah um and not realizing that they led to the like most the two most profitable eras of animation in modern times that's really neat too um so if like cameron you have a suggestion for one or two movies we could pair we will be checking our email more frequently. Mm. Um, this year counts. Last year may not may not have counted according to our beer, but this year counts. We'll see. Um, you can also so that email, Dick, is. Um, it's oh. it's like um, you get on your computer <laughs> and you send a, a message digitally over the internet to someone else in the computer. Cellmates podcast at gmail.com. That's correct. On Twitter, we are Cellmates Podcast. On Facebook, we are Cellmates Podcast. That's true. And you can reach out to us on any of those platforms. And we'll do our best. We'll do our best. Yeah. Um, but but thank you. This 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 was fun to get back into a yeah. suggestion because that's yeah. always good to get outside of our own heads. What do we do we want to tell them what we're doing for the next episode, Kate? Do we know what we're doing for the next episode? No, I just no. wanted to put you on the spot. We should. We should plan further in advance, but we don't. Well, um, we're not very professional. And we're, that's, we're volunteers. That's true. That's exactly correct. For Cellmates Podcast, I'm Kate Phillips. I'm Jake Ward. Thanks for being here. You're welcome. Cadkins Monkeys. Ugh. <laughs> started or should i welcome to cellmates we are what you're looking at me funny yeah i'll start again okay